The perception of Chicago's Asian American community is changing, and at the forefront of this effort are pan-Asian organizations focused on obtaining political empowerment, access to social services, and using their numbers to influence change. Hello, everybody. I'm ABC7's Linda Yu. Influencing change is a priority for many pan-Asian organizations here in Chicago, and the reason is simple. It's an opportunity to address the injustice that's often faced by an emerging ethnic group. For more than 30 years, Asian Americans have been incorrectly identified as a model minority. While many community leaders have tried to correct this misconception, it's a challenge that continues today for second and third generations. Along with my colleagues Judy Sue and Ravi Bechwal, we'll highlight several organizations that are changing the perception of Asian Americans, a perception that has been rooted in the myth of the model minority. The idea that all Asian Americans are successful is wrong. It's a myth. Asian Americans actually face poverty, low education, housing problems, healthcare problems, just like other people of color. You know, it's this mainstream perception uh, that all Asians, and in particular South Asian uh, community members, are well-to-do, they're well-educated, uh, that they don't need help of any kind, when in reality, that's not true. We have to fight the model minority myth because it is untrue and it affects the decisions that are made about the resources that go to the underserved parts of our community. This will be a kitchen countertop. Sunny Gabwala, president of the Federation of Indian Associations, understands why the misconceptions exist. First of all, the Indians are very easy to identify. Everybody thinks uh, when they see doctors, engineers, business people, that every Indian, every Asian immigrants are doing much better than average Americans. From Chinatown, uptown to West Rogers Park, we see signs of Asian American influence in many of Chicago's neighborhoods. Despite the challenges, Chicago is still a gateway for new immigrants to establish themselves and succeed. I think it's wonderful that we have a mayor that does embrace the immigrant community. The city has is, is been built on immigrant shoulders, and their contributions to the city are, are vast. America is a land of opportunity. If someone has vision, they can always find an opportunity. The 2010 census will make a big impact in the community in regards to allocation of resources from government agencies and redistricting of predominantly Asian neighborhoods, another critical issue to the community. Neighborhoods with high concentrations of Asian Americans, such as Chinatown and the West Ridge area, are fragmented into multiple different districts, meaning that the voters in those neighborhoods don't have an influence on the outcome of an election, aren't able to elect the candidates of their choice, and ultimately the elected officials in those areas at the state, city, and federal level aren't able to be truly accountable to the Asian American community. Because of that, there's been a disproportionate uh, level of funding that may have come down from the, the private to the government funding streams. Thirty years ago, Bernie Wong and C.W. Chan began to organize on behalf of the Asian American community in Chinatown. Today, they continue their work with the acumen of seasoned community activists. The more you live in this country, the more you believe that you have to get involved in American society, participating in the political process, because as a model minority, 
we always got short change because we never complain. We are change agent. You know, we need to uh, understand what the needs in the community are and make changes. We are the catalyst to bring the community from one point to the other. Beyond that misconception is a challenge some Asian Americans continue to face, and that is learning English. Judy Sue introduces us to the KRCC. In Albany Park, the Korean American Resource and Cultural Center embraces the best the community has to offer with an eye on an equally important mission, providing services for their growing community. Recent immigrants of all ages use English as a second language or ESL classes as a port of entry to the American experience. Please make yourself comfortable. At the time, it was first night ESL program in our own community. Most Korean American communities are working, you know, from seven to seven. They didn't have a time to attend, you know, day classes. So we decide to offer night ESL classes so people can come. They also learn, you know, how to survive in this new different culture. Of course. Of course. Here you are. Here you are. Many students here have already completed a university education in Korea. However, Shik Sun, executive director of the KRCC, emphasizes learning English as the first step to realizing their potential. It's really hard for them to speak English fluently. So, you know, even though they have a college degree, if they cannot find the job they can do with that degree. We have a lot of low-wage workers because being an immigrant, struggling with the language and cultural barriers, not that many people can find professional jobs in the United States, um, and oftentimes their educational background doesn't translate into the skills that can apply in the United States. A large part of the community the KRCC serves holds permanent resident status in the United States. After a five-year wait, they are eligible to apply for citizenship. We want them to be an active member of this society. As a citizen, you can vote, but if you just have a green card, permanent residence, you are not eligible for that. Embracing the Korean culture while adapting to American society is the change the KRCC seeks for its community members. Their leadership on issues of immigration, redistricting, and an accurate census count will help all Korean Americans realize full participation in our democracy. In 2000 census, it was like little less than 50,000, but we believe that I think that number has been at least double. We have a big Korean American community here, but the problem is that the Korean community tend to stay in their own community, you know, afraid to go over that boundary. It definitely is a challenge to organize people to have a political voice. Language and cultural norms are only temporary barriers for these new Americans. Despite the challenges, the KRCC is dedicated to actively educating and empowering the community. Maybe as generations go, we stop calling ourselves immigrants. We're trying to encourage them to step forward to be active member of this society. You know, they are not just 
Koreans. They are Korean Americans. Shaking off the label of model minority to model authority, today's Asian American community is organized and answering the call to action. When we return, we'll feature a legacy of empowerment at the Chinese American Service League. Welcome back to Asian Influences, Influencing Change. In Chinatown, there's a group of young people on a mission, hoping to change the image of their community one person at a time. These visionaries are passionate, fierce, and committed to making a difference. Legislators and people in power, they listen to votes. They listen to a community that's vocal and, and turn out their voters at a high response rate. So we are a community that is uh, rising in our registration numbers, rising in our turnout numbers, having turned out more than 40% of our voters, and we know our elected officials have taken notice. As the community organizer for the Coalition for a Better Chinese American Community, Rebecca Shi works endless hours hoping to get the message out that their voices will not be silenced. We are not a quiet community, we are not a passive community. We are vocal and we'll speak up and we'll register and turn out to vote. So with the help of some other foot soldiers, she's making it her goal to shake up the community during this very important year. We had adults and youth who came to us saying that they wanted to volunteer to tell their family, to tell their friends that they have to fill out the census. Most of our uh, Chinese Americans are restaurant and factory workers, and uh, most of our children receive free lunch in their high schools. So most of Chinese Americans here are uh, at poverty or below poverty level. Working alongside Rebecca is Yang Ying Jiang. This UIC student is just as passionate at 20 years old. We are really angry and upset about the situation. That's why we are volunteering. When I first met her and her sister, what was incredibly inspiring about them was that um, they were instantly engaged by um, this organizing work. For Yang Ying, growing up close to Chinatown and having to travel to school in the wee hours of the morning is one reason why she's been working for a high school in the area. When I went to high school, I have to uh, wake up at 5.30 a.m. to go to school because uh, we have to travel so far to go to high school. We don't have a high school in our community. This very vocal volunteer who came to this country four years ago has seen the disparities and wants to make a difference. My parents, um, they don't speak English, so my dad has to work in a restaurant and my mom has to work in a factory to support our daily life. And as I know, there's so many, so many people in the Chinatown community, they are experiencing the same situation with my family. It's not fair and the model minority in Chinatown community is not true. Having seen the challenges her community struggles with, Yang Ying is ready to take action. For the past year, she and her peers have been door knocking, hoping to register new voters for the upcoming November election. We door knock over 8,000 doors in Chinatown Bridgeport and McKinley Park. And so through the past four months of daily door knocking, daily spreading the news to our family and friends, Chinatown has an over 60% return rate. Another issue that plagues this community is redistricting, which has split their vote. We hope to be able to bring Chinatown into one district. We hope to have a voice in the politics of Chicago. 
Students at the local elementary school are petitioning parents because they, like many other neighborhoods, will be affected by the school budget cuts that are being proposed for the 2010-2011 school year. I think for us, being a bilingual school, I think a lot of the kids are going to suffer more if they cut back the teachers, because you know, to them, English is a second language. We're at the point now where, you know, we've, we've coasted, we've dealt with what we've, we've, we've been given, now we need to have it dealt with between the census showing how much we've grown and then getting the voters out there to show that, you know what, you're not going to do something for us, we need to find someone who will. So over the summer, we're going to push to get a thousand more registered voters, and that alone will tell the community legislators, everyone, where Chinatown, you know, don't ignore us. One shocking visual that you'll likely run across is children playing volleyball in the school's gravel lot, primarily because they don't have any place to go after school. We need a field house, we need a rec center. I mean, there's nowhere in the community to go. And you know, the last thing we want is for the kids to wander the streets. Another plight is the library that desperately needs expansion. This Chicago Public Library, with the highest circulation in the city, has over 1,000 people cross its threshold on a daily basis. We don't have computer in our house. We have to go to the Chinatown Library, but um, there's no internet, so as um, they don't provide enough resources for students. All of these challenges are examples of why these young people have sacrificed their after-school time to volunteer for a needy cause. Even though we are a community uh, of low-income restaurant factory workers, we are speaking at a very uh, high uh, political language of knowing that when we vote, when we uh, turn out and hold elected officials accountable, that we're able to get them to deliver resources in our community. I hope that the Chinese community can see the um, young people's energy we need to inspire older adults to do this too because more people, more power. These young people won't stop. They'll continue their work and will influence the next generation building a stronger, more vocal community in Chicago. Coming up next, Ravi Baitrol takes us to the South Asian community where accessing vital services is still a challenge. Hello again, everybody. I'm ABC7's Linda Yu. The Asian American community embraces over 14 different ethnic groups, and while their numbers continue to grow, so does the need to access basic social services. Ravi Baitchwal has the story. The Indian American Medical Association's Charitable Foundation is meeting the demand for health care services in the South Asian community. Their free clinic is thriving in part due to the volunteer efforts of Chicago's medical community. Although we are going to have universal health care coverage, I think that this clinic is still going to need to be here because there will still be a significant minority that is still going to fall outside of that safety net. There are certain cultural barriers, uh, especially that women in certain communities, Asian American communities face, in accessing uh, mainstream services. So clinics like ours are, I think, still needed. Dr. Anumeha Gupta is the chief resident at Mercy Hospital and Medical Center. Here at the clinic, she's a volunteer supervising medical students and providing a cultural connection. 
when you are approaching somebody with diabetes uh, and hypertension and high cholesterol, common, common medical problems, oftentimes you're going to have to counsel them about diet and lifestyle changes. Um, I think the diet and lifestyle is directly related to the culture that that person comes from. Volunteering has been a hallmark of Dr. Gupta's career, allowing her to develop her knowledge of patient care as a med student and a physician. It helped me become a better student. It helped me become a better doctor. So this is my way of giving back to the community that I've come to call home. The Sridhar Nimagata Memorial Building, located at 2645 West Peterson, is open three days a week, providing health care and a limited pharmacy for anyone in need. As an immigrant community, I think we have done really well for ourselves but I think that there's certainly a large subset of our community that is in need for free health care. The census is, is a huge determinant of that as well. Uh, the census gives information back as to where large tracts of immigrants are and especially more socioeconomically challenged immigrants are. We're talking about um, a very large, very heterogeneous, very diverse community. We're talking about people from India, from Pakistan, from Bangladesh, from Sri Lanka, basically the entire Indian subcontinent. As you can see, the volunteers are working hand in hand with the foundation and are providing invaluable healthcare services. Together, they're making things happen. Oftentimes, this is the only place available for them to come get care. I think the patients also like the fact that the physicians here are able to converse with them in their own native tongue. So I think there will always be a need for a clinic like this. And I'm really glad that this organization exists in the capacity that it does. When we return, we'll meet the Joe Brothers, two artists who have crossed the cultural divide and continue to inspire a new image of Asians in America. For more information about Asian influences, log on to abc7chicago.com. Welcome back to Asian Influences, Influencing Change. Our final story begins right here in this modern temple to artistic expression. World-renowned, critically acclaimed, highly sought after are just a few ways to describe Da Huang and Shan Zhu, also known as the Zhou Brothers. These natives of China who've adopted Chicago as home have stunned audiences all over the globe with their infusion of colors on canvas. My inspiration is come from the history, mostly from the history and of human and from the country I live in. Anything in the art, the inspiration only from life. These two brothers have been gifted with the ability to create some powerful portraits that adorn the walls of the world's most influential museums, including the National Art Museum of China in Beijing and the art museums in Shanghai and Nanjing. This piece is uh, just like, say, it's, um, one of the performance pieces. It's performance art, painting one canvas together, live in Germany, Moscow, Austria, and the list goes on. In their 33-year history, they've also won many awards for excellence in contemporary art. I always think my brother is a better artist, but I think when in, in the early days I'm older, he thinks I'm the be better, but he always very appreciate each other. 
This raw talent that began when they were toddlers has matured into a global empire filled with some extraordinary works of contemporary art. When we was child and when we grown up, I have a dream with my brother saying, one day we will become, want to become the great artist. In a very early age, we have a great influence from art and literature. So, uh, want to be an artist is always my dream uh, since I was very little. But you never feel you get there yet. And then that's why we have to keep going. In October 2004, a catalog was published honoring 30 years of their work as pioneers in the contemporary art field. A lot of people say you've done a lot, but also we feel it's the life and the art is always another new beginning. This piece was uh, like we created in 1998 in Berlin. In Bridgeport, the Joe Brothers Cafe and Art Center is a mecca for aspiring artists interested in perfecting their craft. In addition to their massive warehouse, the Joe Brothers have a foundation that houses their collection along with a sculpture garden. This center also hosts emerging artists who are studying abroad. I'd like to see in the five years from now on, they will be carry like a much more better program and play a much more important role for the contemporary art. A few of the masterpieces they created can be seen at the Chinese American Service League, an organization they credit for helping them transition when they came to this country as immigrants. I, I feel I'm very fortunate. I do what I really love and able to express myself in many different ways. And through my painting and sculpture and my performance, I think that's for me is, is greatest. It's wonderful. Thank you to the Joe Brothers for the use of their wonderful gallery. It's open daily with exhibits of all genres. For my colleagues Judy Sue and Ruby Bachewell, I'm Linda Yu. Thank you for watching this edition of Asian Influences.